and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Peerly. And how the devil are you, Peerly? I think you've been on a bit of an adventure. I have been on one of those infamous driving adventures, nine hours in my ute up to Byron and nine hours back and um, it's definitely inspired by a conversation we had a few months back when we thought about growing Squadify and whether we'd make a nice big corporate office and then we decided no we would never have a corporate office because we wouldn't know where to put it because the entire team is spread across the planet and um, really got excited by that to become a you know a work from anywhere type organization so we're thinking of moving the entire family up as I think I said before we sold the house and then so I went up to the outskirts of Byron to go and see what was out there had some a couple of close encounters not with the locals but um, with four-legged creatures I thought I was going to check out Chicken Coop but actually I discovered as I was on the wrong side of a locked door that I was face-to-face with a goat which then gave me the evil and the real estate agent said oh you didn't actually meet the goat which I then panicked a bit said no 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 she said well the last person that actually got in there got chased off out of the uh, out of the paddock and all they saw was him running in the opposite direction chased by the goat so I'm really quite lucky that I didn't actually get into that that situation classic Miranda moment from you Pia it was a Miranda moment I have to say that uh it was me talking to the goat just trying to reassure it but anyway so um house was good and um yeah we, i think we might be buying it so it's all really quite exciting bit of a big big move to a new adventure and i i, I think this is probably i guess something that's a sort of next wave of what's happening to teams at the moment which is the um the re- move to remote working means that people are probably going to be starting to think mm, why am i sitting on this expensive real estate i could go off and live somewhere else i mean we live in we live out of out of london and i'm sure that we're going to see a few people thinking rather than living in Clapham or somewhere I can I can go and live in in Yorkshire and uh, have a larger nothing wrong with Clapham Clapham's beautiful um but yeah it'll be a really interesting impact I think on the on teams coming up I'm sure so you're part of a movement as ever Pierre well it's it'll be fun it'll be a few interesting stories of all the animals and wildlife I'll be joining um snake Facebook groups apparently just to determine what are on our property so there'll be plenty of adventures doesn't bear thinking about but it has been a bit there has been a bit of sad news hasn't there Dan so and I thought that was quite you know timely given our guests that we're having this week yes absolutely unfortunately yeah I mean we we our guest this week is um Eric Thompson who for 30 years has graced our screens particularly in Australia but globally I've seen him some really amazing films and uh talking to us about life on set and uh, so the really sad news about Helena Hutchins cinematographer being involved in that in the accident on the set of Rust this week really after that conversation really resonated and just really brought it home how the the climate created on set and we don't know what happened there of course yet but it made me think about uh, what that would have been like and the conditions that could have created such a terrible occurrence so I think it'll be um It'd be really interesting to hear what Eric says and how he sees that large set as a player of the of of team members all together with a single focus to get that vision out and as he talks about you know all you see is the person on the screen but he's actually going to tell us what sits behind that and give us a little peek behind the the curtain. Thompson, welcome to We Not Me. It is wonderful to see you here and have you join us. Thank you very much, Tia. Nice to see you guys as well. Hey, Dan. So we have seen you 
for many years on the screen. So we, we're, we're hoping to get behind the screen and talk to you a bit about how people interact, the teamwork. But before we do that, before we get into the guts of it, tell us a bit about yourself, because there'll be people listening to this who may not know you as well as we certainly do down here in Australia and New Zealand. Well, okay, in a nutshell, I've been an actor for 31 years. Uh, I trained, I did a Bachelor of Arts in the Stewart's Drama School, and I've been working in theatre for five years in New Zealand. Came to Australia in 1995. I've done countless TV series and films. I've done over about five or maybe 600 hours of TV drama. Most recently, I've been doing uh, my own series called Aftertaste, which is for the ABC, about an angry chef who's been brought back down to earth. I did a BBC show called The Luminaries um, and uh, a film called Coming Home in the Dark, which is had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. So um, that sort of brings us up to now. So I've been doing this for a long time to the point where there is nothing else I can do. It's too late to change. The river The river is almost at the sea, and I. this is what I am. This is not what you say in therapy. This is it. I can't change anymore. <laughs> I guess the thing is, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a decent enough career that on one level that's good, but on the other level, I've, I've developed no other skills. I, c- I can't even be a barista. So, you know, unfortunately, you stuck with me in this in this uh, manifestation. We'll keep rooting for you. We'll try and get the lo- get you to win more Loki's and things like that. More Loki's. we should admire. I think you're quite lucky, Eric. By this time, most actors have p- picked up a good portfolio of other skills. I think it shows you've been pretty busy with your acting over the years. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm thinking. You know, I, I have painted ceilings. So if you have any work, you never know. But hey, look, in this, in this business, you've got to keep everything's not a possibility. So let's dive into... Let's dive into behind the scenes so let's think about this in terms of teams and and it might seem maybe to to people listening thinking well this is a bit of an odd choice sort of looking at at the arts and thinking of teams but we saw there was a real link so so tell us what part does teamwork play on the set of a production it's absolutely everything you know if if you could look at what happens the way a television show is put together and the way a film crew is is constructed it's kind of like a it's like the essence of society then that we draw from all the different aspects of society we've got you know tradies and in terms of carpenters building sets we've got electricians uh doing lighting we've got um usually former armed forces personnel being grips carrying stuff around and you've got makeup artists wardrobe you've got script writers you've got people who are who are really really good at management i don't know how you classify actors whether they 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 didn't get enough t- attention as a kid or they just love still telling stories um and then you've got people who have to sell it so look in any, in any if, if you really want to look at it it's a it's very much a cross-section of society that we work with and when you walk onto a film set uh, you generally speaking you see people working and then you see a lot of people standing around everyone has their chance to do their job uh, at their specific opportunity and they have to jump in, do it as efficiently as they can, and then the next person has a chance. And if anything goes wrong, the people standing around have to jump in and fix it very, very quickly because time is, as the saying goes, money. And you never really see that, I don't think, more than its pure sense, particularly in Australia, Australian film industry, because we don't have that kind of... Uh, deep pockets that the big, the big international industries have. So when you're working, when you're actually acting you know who do you see first primarily as the team around you do you do you see the people on set the primary focus for us is to see the other actors to see the director and to see the other actors and 
if a, if a film set is put together well enough, um, you really you want to believe as much in the situation that you're in. So you don't really want to see a grip walk through the, the back of shot, even though he's not on camera, you know, but behind you. They say clear the eye line. So if you're looking at it, another actor, you don't want people moving around over there because it'll take you out of the scene. So everything, again, is all working towards that moment where the camera starts rolling and we capture that moment. So everything is working towards that one moment and then between action and cut, everyone else is quiet. And then as soon as they say cut, it usually just all hell breaks loose as you reset back to the beginning of the scene. So, yeah, ideally you don't really want to see too much, but then... At the same time, the camaraderie is really important. You see the crews, you know, pre-pandemic, you'd see the crews at lunch and breakfast and you'd have, a, you know, passing in the corridors and whatever and, you know, trying to keep um, as congenial uh, a rapport with everyone because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, really about, you know, the, the film sets that really, worked, that really work very well are the most inclusive and the ones that celebrate each individual cog in the, in the machine um, and uh, and those usually are the productions that are, whether or not if the piece of work itself is brilliant, the experience of making it is is usually the most satisfying. So how do they do that? How do you get that inclusiveness? What have you seen that makes people feel like they're part of something bigger? Well, again, in the productions that I've seen that work really well, it, it, it does come from the top and it comes from the top uh, making sure just doing the small things that actually you know really just Give everyone all the way at the coal face a sense that they are a vital part of creating whatever it is that you do. Whether you're a lighting assistant shifting lights around or walking up the red carpet in Cannes, the guy walking up the red carpet in Cannes wouldn't be there without the, without light, the lighting assistant. That's just the reality of it. So, as an employer, and I've been you know in that position as a producer of our aftertaste, which I'm doing at the moment, is that it's 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 very important that you uh, create a sense of inclusivity from from the outset. And those are done by the small things, communication, saying thank you, being present, giving the sense that the, that the uh, avenues of communication are open, all channels are open for communication, that, that people have an opportunity to express themselves without judgment. Again, if you set that up really, really well from the outset, then a lot of your other problems that could develop tend to uh, tend to not either come up or are quickly resolved. That's quite interesting. It sort of takes us back to um, Dr. Jess Tolleson, who talked to us about psych safety, which was that ability to be able to speak or, or to feel comfortable to be uncomfortable and to be able to say what you need to say. Because I would imagine you you don't want your creativity and your talent curbed by a culture that doesn't enable you to be at your best i would i would imagine that that's almost palpable if if that's going on yeah and then and it's probably in our business it's probably at, at its more most raw because you're dealing in those human emotions you're kind of peddling and that's what people are tuning in to watch they want humans watching humans emote they're very tough audience humans you know because they all understand what it is to be a human so the good wouldn't you know how it feels so um Certainly in our business, but I think I think that that translates through to every every business in terms of uh, people need to be able to feel that that idea that they might have had, which you know might be the thing that solves the problem, isn't going to be laughed down because you, you never know where that's going to come from. It really stands in our um, favour if everyone feels that they can actually 
offer up a little bit of a little bit of a, an idea every now and again. That said, <laughs> it hastens to jump in. A lot of judgment comes around that, and I think if someone's offering up too much uh, opinions uh, out of out of place, then you've got to, it's a fine line. You <laughs> walk. You'll never get anything done. And how do you create that, Eric, quickly? Because I imagine, you know, you land, you, you, you arrive on set, you've got a new team. Some people you probably know, others you don't. Well, I think it's, there's nothing uh, more useful than just like appreciate, get together, a few snags on the barbie and a couple of beers. You know, it's not about the alcohol. It's not, not about getting off your night or anything. It's, you know, I've, I've worked in productions. It's about actually getting people together to break through that initial layer of, anxiety or apprehension social awkwardness and the best way to do that is away from the working environment if you can i did production in new zealand called 800 words and the, neither the network nor the company that i worked for saw the value the dollar value having to pre-shoot drinks they couldn't see it because it, it wasn't in the budget so i had it in my house and got everyone together and it was such a great way to start the whole production because we got to know each other and then when we rocked up on set on on monday we'd already busted through those initial anxieties and i think that's an important part isn't it of everyone feeling like they're part of this bigger production and everyone's got a part to play if you don't recognize that at the pre-stage it's a bit much to expect it when it's actually meant to be happening. Yeah, because people might decide to become resentful. And uh, once once that kind of negative emotion is, is inserted, it's sometimes very hard to shake it off because it becomes about an us and them situation. And once you get an us and them situation, people feel manipulated. That's it. It's, that's a very hard shift to turn around. And they're looking bro- more broadly out, you know, the team is impacted by a lot of people who are maybe not present or um out there some you know the the producers i'm guessing and and other folks how how much impact can they have even from afar on what's happening actually inside that team that's that's working on the ground i I think uh, there's you know a a good example is just the the sending of a thank you card or a welcome card to people who've been traveling from interstate or or putting on drinks at the end of the week again um maybe and most productions do that where you, you there might be a day where you you know, suddenly there'll be ice creams getting handed around sets or whatever. You've, it, it's sounding like we're really easy to um, be, be manipulated on one level, but it's uh, or easy to please. But, you know, generally speaking, people are, you know, it's just those little things that make. So that, that can come from afar, but certainly it certainly has to come from afar because producers want that you want the people working for you to be working at their best and enjoying the experience that. That invariably that um, comes across. I've got this sort of image, and I think it might be wrong, that, you know, the actors are like the centrepiece with everyone else running around. But I guess because it's got to be organised, it might be a bit different. Is it hierarchical? Yeah, well, you've got the creative structure, and the creative structure is, you know, writers usually these days are on set, and they are used as kind of brains trust for the director if, if he can't remember what happens the next scene or... He's forgotten, he he or she uh, has forgotten the character thread line. Having the writer there to kind of advise has been good. So you've kind of got that creative soft core. And then around them is a a team which which protects them and moves the production forward. You've got to keep, you've got to start at the beginning of the day, get to the end of the day, and you've got six minutes of screen time to shoot. Uh, It's been broken down into the one and a half hours per scene or whatever it is. And the first assistant director is the person that who is the sergeant major. They keep the the tide coming in. They don't let things dissipate. 
Uh, their role is very, very important because um, the way they speak to people, if they speak too much, their voice can just become this kind of drone. And when they've got something important to say, you tune out because they just say too much information. So the best first ADs I've ever worked with, the people who are quiet, they step, they sit back, and, they, and when they do speak, you listen to every single word. Uh, and, and generally speaking, they're loved by every different department. Um, underneath them, you've got the second AD, they're usually offset and they're creating, putting the schedule together for the next day and making sure that all the extras are going to turn up on time and the actors are going to turn up on time and how the, how the day is going to be put together and then liaise with the production office. And then the third AD, third assistant director deals, brings the actors on set, brings the extras on set, moves the background action around. Um, so they're the kind of, they, they're all protecting the vision of your creative core, which is the director. And then everyone, like I said before, there's people who move the camera, there's people who light for the camera, there's the makeup artists and the wardrobe, and they're all working on the actors. But what happens in the frame is the most important thing. So um, actors are on frame, so they've got to be protected and looked after and makeup and made to look the best and look appropriate for whatever scene that they're in. So they do tend to be the centre of the focus, but that's the whole point. <laughs> but it's interesting because the intent is about, as you as you talked about it, this creative core. It's about the output. It's not about the person. They're, you're just doing your work by the sounds of things, like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then that's that's it. And then I think there's a lot of, uh, I suppose, misconceptions. They're perpetuated by some actors and some creatives. I think is being precious or whatever. But I mean, it, it, it's a it's a kind of low blow when you say that about about artists because ultimately you know that there's a sense of perfectionism that that exists in this business but that that exists in every business we're just visible much more visible the main thing is that none of us and i you know i say i've said it myself you know at the end of the day if the scene's not looking good or your performance isn't good because something is something the culture is bad behind the camera and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling not supported no one's going to know that when you watch your performance and just go, he's not doing a very good job, is he? Not going to give him a job. This is it. This, this is all they see. They're not going to go, oh, that was a badly scheduled day. Uh, <laughs> he obviously didn't get a card at the beginning of filming. He, he didn't get a card at the beginning of filming. He should have got a fruit box. Didn't get it. That was what was missing. Again, it's really, it is the simple, simple things that make, uh, that lubricate a good, a well-run set. Something I'm really intrigued to ask you about. So what happens in sex scenes? Because you've got a really intimate... Well, when a man loves a woman, or uh, a woman loves a woman, <laughs> or a man loves a man... I thought that uh, makes it much clearer, actually. Uh, that, but it wasn't <laughs> quite the angle. But, I mean, I remember watching, um, well, Bridgerton, <laughs> and being like, well, that was that was quite a hot and racy series. But then I read about the number of people that were, were watching, mainly to protect the sort of heritage piece of furniture, and they, they were knocked over in some sort of hot flush of a moment well the teamwork is it's the flip side of the coin from a fight a choreographed fight scene um a choreographed love making scene you basically everyone's taken through that and uh agreements and consents are, are had by both actors or presumably there's only two in the scene that everyone's got to be comfortable and everyone has, has to know exactly what's going to go on. And once you've got that structure and everything's agreed upon, there's an intimacy coordinator. They're quite new because we used to have the fight choreographers, but with, with intimate scenes, the, the director usually goes, I'll just, just do what you'd usually do. And, you know, you'd, the actors would be standing there going, well, you know, when they say action, you've got to kiss. I mean, you've 
you know, what kind of kiss, what kind of kisses it's supposed to be. And nowadays we have those thanks to Harley Weinstein and the like and the like, but going back further, a little bit further, but certainly right now it's very much the forefront of consent and making sure everyone's comfortable. And then once you've got the structure, you can add the lyricism and the, you know, not the real emotion, but the performed emotion. And really, you know, from an actor's perspective, it's very important to protect yourself between action and cut and make sure, especially cut. When they say cut, you've really got to step back and kind of walk away and because two people in close proximity, you know, certain uh, chemicals are, are going to produce and uh, basic physiological um, situations can occur. You know, they can, they can, not always, but they can. And you've got to make sure that, you know, again, it's a, it's a very protected and important part of the job. Otherwise, because you've got to go home to your partners and your wives and all that kind of stuff. So it's most important that, that, that it's well protected. Oh, that's really good to hear. I mean, that's a sort of uh, almost an, uh, an extreme version of creating that safety as well in the team, as you say, the the Harvey Weinstein um, episodes, among many others, is, 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 it's all about protecting them. But it's, it's a rare situation in that team to have to have an actual coordinator for that. But it's good to, good to hear that's happening, Eric. <laughs> yeah. And I think in a lot of businesses these days, there are people who are, who are coming in and, and making sure that the culture is right and all of that. I mean, we, it, it, we, we have it in our, in our business in front of the camera, but also you know, on call sheets and everything these days, there are things that never used to be on there, so we respect. The rights of people, if you, there's a list that comes out of things that you can't do or say and inappropriate behavior, and perhaps that's all, it's all part of it, like it is probably in many businesses. That's good to hear. You talked about the creative core and the director. Um, in all teams, the role of the team leader is obviously important, but how does it work? Um, how does the dynamic work with the director in terms of they own it, the sort of auteur versus having the the other people, the actors and other people on set actually contributing to that creation? How, how, how does that dynamic work at its best and how can that fall over? Yeah, well, I think I think everyone wants to uh, be part of the, of the creative vision at that sort of soft core of creativity and the actors have opinions and the director has opinions and you know the director the good ones they'll come in and they'll kind of offer up a structure and they'll say this is this is the basic structure of how i'm seeing this and then as the actor you can then add to that structure again it starts with a foundation and then we can all add to it and and have them then a very quick negotiation usually or a negotiation. You would have talked about this on the phone prior to this usually, but on set sometimes you've got to make some decisions. And uh, by then, again, going right back to that very beginning moment of when you when you have that initial bonding experience and that trust is formed early, then those things are usually resolved pretty pretty well and pretty uh, positively for the outcome of the of the whole project. But I've got people that for some reason, and everyone has them, that you know, the minute that person walks into the room, very few people, I must say, in my life, but that person walks into the room and there's a kind of instant tension within me. I know that we don't actually have that rapport. And then, it, then it's not a clear, creative, kind of warm and kind of uh, positive thing. It's, it's a, a kind of dance around ego. And those are hard ones. Um, and I don't know how, I, I really don't, personally, I, I just make sure that we're just top, talking on topic and I, I get through that, those situations without trying to get too personal. And 
just look forward to the end of the day, really. <laughs> Chewing through time. Chewing through time. Many of us listening now would know that experience. You know, that's somebody that you're working with either on a project or becomes renowned. And what you want is, is that the interaction you have with someone leaves a positive outcome. And sometimes it's a negative outcome that you're left with. And it's a hemorrhaging effect of the relationship and the experience. And sometimes people aren't aware of that. So that's, it's an important lesson for all of us to be aware that some of us, are, we're not always on our top game. And we don't want to leave people in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it can dissipate, it can dissipate, it can uh, go through the team very quickly if there's a, suddenly you've got a, a personality clash between two people. It can really change the day for everyone or change the whole experience for everyone. So I think it's, it's again, when you do have that, that kind of tension between yourself and another person that, um, you just have to find the best and most immutable way of actually dealing with it without affecting anything and just making it not about you, make it about remembering that we're all here to do the, the one thing and that we all want to get home in one piece. Yeah, that's generally a good idea. Job done. Job done, yeah. all in one piece. So, and, um, you know, so I guess one of my last questions is where have you had that experience where you've gone, God, and it is a teamwork thing. It's either a miscoordination or it's a too strong a personality or that negative impact or you talked about when the dollar's pressures are on. There's a lot of money involved. Basically, every dollar is counted for and time is money. And then on top of that, you have people's creative visions. And I've seen situations where the money's running out. Um, the producers are concerned that we're going over budget We're going and we're running out of time. The writer is then compromised. The director is then compromised. The producers come from their offices upstairs and suddenly they're on set and that you're aware over by what they call tent city, which is usually where the monitors are and the directors sit and there's two monitors watching what the cameras are doing. There's like 10 people with the use. There'd usually be three. Every decision is discussed. Every decision comes down to. Um, and, and basically the pressure just builds and builds and builds. And, um, and that's just a terrible environment to be in because you, you know, that, that, you know, everything is, there's tension and you can't work with, you, you can't work at your optimum with tension in the air. No one can. I mean, you can find ways, I suppose, of pushing forward and we all have to, but, um, I look back on those experiences and, yeah, like you don't want to have too many days like that or weeks or months like that in your life. We've got a limited amount of time and a limited amount of professional choices that we make. So you want to, you want to try and, uh, stay as far away from that situation as possible, but it happens. It just happens. And, um, and that particular situation culminated in a full glass of red wine being thrown from one creative at another creative. Um, at the rat party. So, um, did they catch it? I think they caught it all over themselves. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a sort of archetypal sort of situation that we sort of imagine, isn't it? But it's good to hear from you taking us into your world that it's not always like that, Eric. But uh, over um, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as we just wrap up, how would you encapsulate your experience of working in in teams in groups of humans over those 30 years what, what's your um takeaway that um you could leave us with the social aspect of my work is at the forefront i really i mean i enjoy the creative side of it but what i enjoy and the exchanges that i have with people and the uh the standing in those beautiful environments and the getting through uh completing our jobs and standing back and congratulating each other and going we've done this it's it's going to be 
sad to, to not see you tomorrow at the because the job's over. And um, it's really about the human connection for me. And I think, especially in my business, where when we're kind of reflecting humanity on scene on screen, um, I think that if you if you make that human connection, most of your job's done. Um, and so that's something that I kind of aim for is that it's pure foundation. You know, that piece about the pre-moment really landed for me uh, from what Eric was saying. Um, he really took us into his world. But that idea that while we see them working, they've got to work on set together. There's a there's that, what do you call that, pre-moment. How do you connect together before you start doing the work that really landed for me and it's something i've seen in teams in in many walks of life but it's probably less conscious than he was talking about there it was um it was that 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 was a very useful point i think anyone could take away and i think it what was interesting for me is you you might make the assumption that it's all about the actor and the actor's singular singular talent but but actually it's about setting the right conditions and anyone in the team could do that i mean you know Eric talked about that, you know, when there wasn't a pre-party, they needed to set the right tone for the team on set. So he hosted everybody at his home in New Zealand. And I just thought, A, you've got somebody who's stepping up into that role, but seeing it as important. Whereas sometimes we get blindsided by the talent and and in awe of that, whereas in actual fact, you've got to set the right the right tone and the right conditions for everyone, inclusively to be successful and I think that can be applied right across the board all types of teams all kinds of settings yeah absolutely he he talked about the creative core didn't he and I think you know you could be mistaken for thinking that was the director but it was clear that what he was trying to do with that work they did before was to make sure that everyone is involved in that creative core everyone has a a view on the thing and, and and inclusion seemed to be really important so that people can speak up because actually everyone has a different view of the of what you're trying to create so uh so being really conscious about um about that point of bringing everyone in at the start re- really landed for me and in a way quite to be honest with you quite surprising for me you do think that the sort of that the the images of the actors being the sort of uh, the prima donnas in the middle and, and act, but actually Eric's view is no everyone has a part to play here and it was uh, it was very pleasing to hear and I think also what that does is that everyone becomes accountable for the success of the outcome which is what we see on the screen and but that's the end point and therefore you want everyone to have that attention to detail you want everyone to be aligned which you know applies to all organizations and all teams but quite often you know it's going back to what owen was talking about you know you end up with a team of champions and i would imagine you know in in an artistic setting that can get end up creating you know a few artistic types of conversations you know and so whereas if you go the other way uh it's more of a definitely more of an abundant mindset um and sometimes you know we've seen in the corporate setting that can be ego status rank and title that can get in the way so i i think that was quite an insight for all of us it was, it was. And now, obviously, Pierre, you asked him about sex, which surprisingly yielded some uh, useful insights. Well, I, t- I can't believe it. it took me into, what, six or seven episodes before I could actually ask that question. But anyway, this new role of into some intimacy coordinator is, um, is well, that's a new one, I have to say. And um, in a way, you think of the, the Me Too movement and you think, gosh, 
I bet they were hanging out for an, an intimacy cord. So, so brilliant that that now is done in a way that is respectful of the artist's talent, but respectful of human beings. Yeah, no, it, it actually did yield something useful. And again, that safety on set, You honestly, you think back of, of all the films that were made in the Weinstein era and before, and you just think, it gives you a shudder, doesn't it, to think what was, um, you know, how unsafe people must have felt. So this is really, really positive movement. And, uh, um, yeah, great to hear that that role actually exists. And, uh, you know, it was yeah, yielded by your question. So very glad you covered that. Um the other line he used that uh, leapt out for me was clear the eye line. I'd never heard that before, but it seems that in that sort of lights, camera, action sequence, there is a clear the eye line so that the actor, when they're in that moment, and clearly they give of themselves a lot, they have it's a demanding and a vulnerable moment that they don't need to see people wandering about in their eye line. It struck me that that's a brilliant example of creating the conditions for success for the actors it'll be easy to say yeah everyone move around it's fine but actually no i'm going to think about that person what do they need they do not need distraction so there's a broader piece there that we can all do for each other in teams which is what does that person need and need to succeed and and give them those conditions whatever they are so that that jumped out for me i love the phrase clear the eyeline i thought it was clear the eyeliner but obviously that wasn't what he was saying it was eyeline <laughs> I think that's it? After. <laughs> oh yeah just checking um i also thought it was about respecting people and and again a higher intent and giving people the space but respecting what they need to be successful and everybody within the team doing that for the greater good. So an amazing, amazing insight. I will never look at a production really quite in the same way. I feel like we've we've had a little peep behind the curtain. Yeah, it took us into his world. And, um, and next week, Pierre, we're talking about this word that's been much maligned. We're talking about agile um, yes. in teams. Not to do with so, yoga. No, exactly. Quite surprising, really. Or the splits. Exactly. No, agile teams. And we'll have Nat Peters to talk to us about that, which should be uh, uh, should be a wonderful conversation and, and a completely different view actually back into the big corporate world and how you can really transform teams and where they operate to deliver value. Nat knows a lot about agile transformation and she's got some really really clear views about the value of it and um, and the way it can transform our way of work. So I think we'll learn a lot and we'll and we'll get the right definitions and understanding of, of what it all is. That will be helpful. And that's it for this episode. You can find show notes and resources at squadify.net. Just click on the We Not Me podcast link. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share the love and recommend it to your friends. We Not Me is produced by Mark Stedman of origin.fm. Thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. 